So I am so excited to, to be here this morning, and I, I hope you are. We um, have taken a little detour. If you've been with us uh, for the past uh, month, we're taking a little detour from our Ephesians study. And we jumped into uh, just a, a short three-week series called Fight Club last week. So this morning, um, we're talking about fathers, talking to the men of our house under this banner called Fight Club. Now, that said, I, I want to I say to the ladies of the house, thank you so much, um, because what happened last week when I started this series is after I got out down off the stage, what I heard from so many of you, I, I kid you not, before I left this building yesterday, I heard from so many of you about all your little fight clubs that you already have. <laughs> and so let's just recognize in the house this morning that we have a lot of fighters in the house that are of the female gender. Amen? Amen. And so, you know, the, the cool thing about this, and, and here's, here's the thing I don't want to do with this series, and I hope you heard my passion in this when we were finishing up the last half of chapter two of Ephesians, is that we're not trying to create an us versus them culture when I'm uh, in this series. We're, we're really, we're just talking about the us's, we're just talking about, we're focusing the us a little bit on the, the guy gender just for a couple weeks, as kind of as we're heading into to, um, a men's retreat. And so I heard, I just, I just love it. I heard so many uh, ladies come and say, I, I just want to acknowledge and even just use the language and, and uh, try, to, try to use this platform to just gently nudge our guys into a, a, a little bit of a, of a more, of, uh, let's put it this way. We have a harder time getting into community. And so th that's what we're doing. We're, 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 we're talking about these principles and truths that we can all live and apply to your lives, but I just want to say at the beginning, I applaud you ladies, um, because you have, you have just so well, um, even from week one, just championed this. And before I even say another word about Fight Club, I just want to acknowledge that you guys are in many ways champions already. So um, let's give a, a hand to our ladies in the house. I just, I just want to do that. So. Just highlighting, uh, highlighting some things in scriptures that, that might be relevant uh, to men in a way and put, it, put things a bit in a new light. Paint a picture, if you will. I, li I like to paint pictures. So again, thank you for your grace as we do this. And also, maybe I should say at the beginning of this message again, um, you know you know the rules about Fight Club, right? We don't talk about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club is that we don't talk about Fight Club. Third rule of Fight Club is, ladies, if you're here, please don't amen extra loud. At any point during the message, please no elbows to the gentleman sitting next to you saying, see, that's what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> the men of the house, I, so I'll say this on the, on the flip end, the men of the house want to be great men. And so we, we want to be better husbands, we want to be better fathers, we want to be more honorable men. We want to be great business leaders and leaders of all kinds and all spheres of our city and of the world. But we know that we can't do that by ourselves. And so for a few weeks, we're talking about this idea of, of Fight Club. But today, I want to talk about that in the context of our perfect father. Amen? Um, I, I, I just lost it this morning when we were singing some of those songs about who he is as our, as our father. And so here's, here's the thing about today's message. Um, I believe that for us to be great fathers, we have to understand that we have a great father. 
Amen. Amen. And so for all of us men to be fully everything that God wants us to be, ultimately, we have to understand that we have a great father. We have, and, and there's, 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 I know for a lot of us men, when we start talking about parental units, um, for, for some of us, there's, there's, there's highs and lows, right? There's some difficult situations. There's some big wins. There's some big hurts. For some of us, it's a huge celebration. For some of us, it's a bit of a train wreck. And um, so we're all on that scale somewhere between maybe the best dad that anybody could ever imagine and then never really seeing that in any way in our earthly father. And, but there is a possibility today, and, and this is what we're focusing on. We're not focusing today on what we don't have. We're focusing today on what we do have. And it's possible for all of us men to leave this place today and ladies with the conviction and the understanding and the belief that we are loved sons and daughters of a perfect father. Amen. We're loved sons and daughters of a perfect father. So Fight Club, just to catch you up from last week, is a small group of, of guys. We're, we're, we're kind of pointing this to the guys, three to five guys, no revolutionary concept here. Um, you know, maybe just a new name. And uh, three to five guys who are connected together for three purposes, for friendship, for encouragement and for accountability. And here's why we need friendship and, and accountability and encouragement. It's because guys tend towards isolation and insulation. Um, just, just from my personal life. Now, some of you guys are you know, either getting to know me or already, already know me. Um, you know, my personality, at my core, I'm, I'm an introvert. Some of you know the story. When I, when I, um, I'm an introvert at heart, I should say. Um, and so when, when I, I did the personality test when I got hired here at Destiny, I was off the charts melancholy phlegmatic. It means basically I'm like as chill as you can be. I'm like the chill guy. And um, Brent seriously asked me this question. He said, are you sure you like people? <laughs> like, yeah, yes, I, I do. I do. I really do. And so... We, 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 but we like to keep to ourselves. And, and so I, I, just, I just want to tell you, I've already started pursuing my own flight club because I know I need this. And so I, I actually, um, I, I took a, one of my friends out to coffee and we started talking. And we started talking about um, just chatting. And, and we were talking about our friendships. And we both, I kid you not, we both had this story where for a good portion of our lives, we had best friends that lived in other states. For like, my best friend, who I called my best friend, you know, next to Deanna, of course, <laughs> was uh, living in another state. For 10 years, I called him my best friend. And so that's interesting because when we, I started having that conversation, um, my other friend, who shall re remain nameless, said the same thing. He said, you know, I've, I did that too. <laughs> and so, uh, then I, I started thinking about what I was preaching this weekend <laughs> and how, how good I am as a man and, and doubly as an introvert at, at isolating myself. And we like to protect our hearts from the things that matter most in life. And so when we say fight club, that's what we're um, calling people to. The tagline is contending for what matters most in life. 
And the things that we're going to be contending for, the four big arenas where we're fighting the good fight, we talked about these uh, last week. And, and you'll remember the, the scripture verse, maybe kind of the theme uh, scripture for this. Paul said to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. So what we're hanging this on. This is why we call it Fight Club. He's fighting the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And we want to fight in four arenas and encourage each other in friendships and accountability and uh, encouragement to contend or fight for our walk with God, number one, to fight for our heart and our character, number two, to fight for our families and to fight for our brother. And our brother, as we talked about it last week, literally can mean our brother, but also means our brother in Christ. You know, it means a person in the city who can't fight for themselves. It means a person who doesn't have justice, who doesn't have a voice, who has no way to lift themselves up. Uh, so we want to fight for our brothers and we want to reach out to those around us and we want to lift them up um, to, to all of what God has promised. But, but here's the thing, very few of us are going to do that alone. You know, we weren't wired to do this walk, this Christian walk alone. And, and the enemy's plan for you and me, just to be really clear, is to isolate you. The enemy's plan is to isolate because that's, that's when you're at your weakest so that you can refuse to deal with the issues that are most important in your life. So when you get all down and, and, and you're feeling low and, and, and you, know, you, you, you just don't have any support because you haven't built that into your life. And so I know that just by saying that, it's, it can sound touchy-feely, men, maybe because it's too real. And, and what we want to do and what we want to say a lot of times is, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm going to take care of myself, you know, I've, I've got it under control. I can, I can take care of this. I, I don't need anybody else's help. And Sean, there are certain things that, you know, I, I don't want to talk about and I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> right? That's called insulation. We, and, and until God can break us out and put us in, you know, these re relationships, until God can open our hearts and break us out of the insulation, we're prime targets of the enemy. And, and we're going to miss out on that six word definition we talked about last week, which is, you know, being a man after God's own heart. We were highlighting David. And so I'm encouraging you over these next few days to start thinking about, maybe you've already got a breakfast club. I know some of you do. Um, you, uh, you, you meet with some guys every week. You, you have coffee, maybe you do lunch a couple times a month. You can turn that into a fight club. And, uh, but as you decide who these guys are gonna be, come and let us know and as we kind of wrap this thing up next week, we're going to provide a place for you um, where you can you know, register your fight club. And then we'll, be, we'll provide you know, some encouragement and just a little bit of leadership and guidance uh, to you in the process of walking that out. But, uh, so I think it's going to be a game changer for our house if, if we really follow through in this. And the, and the way that you learn how to fight you know, for your family is by realizing that you're in a family. Right? Does that make sense? The way... The, the, the way that you learn to fight for your family is by realizing that you're in a family. And the way that you become a great father is by realizing that you have a great father. And this is what we're all longing for today. I believe everybody in this house today, men and women both, something that we have in common is that many of us, we want the approval of a father. And, and so you know, you know that starts, you know, when we're little, little kids. I don't know if this has happened to you. But have your kids ever wanted to show off for dad? Your kids ever wanted to show off? You know, you're at the pool 
or you know, hanging out at the pool and, and your daughter or son is going, daddy, 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 watch me, daddy, daddy, are you watching me, daddy, daddy? <laughs> and, and, and there's that, just something, are you watching me, daddy? Are you sure you're watching me? And they just they'll call you out about 500 times to make sure that you're watching them. And then they're off of the diving board in the pool and they'll do something and they'll say, daddy, daddy, watch me do a, you know, a belly flop. <laughs> and, and the dad's like, oh man, that was amazing. What was that? Right? That's, that's how you respond. It was a belly flap. It was a belly flop, daddy. What, were you watching me? Do you want me to do it again? You know, because they can't get enough. They, 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 they want you to do it again. So if, if they'll make sure, if, they'll, they'll grab onto the side of the ladder and they'll do a trick. And uh, Look, Daddy, did you see that? Did you see that? And, uh, and all the kids want you to say, Dad, is, you know, that was awesome. That was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> right? And so then the kids go back around because they can't get enough of it. Daddy, Daddy, watch me. Daddy, 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 Daddy. And I think there's a part of, part of that that's woven into every one of us in the room. Now, moms, again, this isn't us versus them. Let me say this. Because, you know, we, we need you very deeply. We need you, ladies. Um, we need your affection, we need your wisdom, and we need your care. Because if left to the dads, the kids are going to go hungry and they're not going to have clothes. You know, it's going to be a bad thing. Um, and, you know, they'll be wearing the same clothes for a couple of years, right? So we need, we need you for a million reasons. We need wisdom. We need affection. We, there's something, there, but there's something about, you know, dad's approval. And... Um, you hear this and some of you think, well, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm the mom that's been there at the pool for a thousand days, but oh my goodness, when dad shows up, it's like this extravaganza, you know? And we have woven into us this really deep longing for our father's approval. And the enemy knows that. He knows that if he can crack our concept and our perception of our earthly father, then he can crack our concept and perception of heavenly father. So he knows that if he can injure our relationship with our earthly father, then he can do a lot of damage to the possibility of us having a great relationship with our heavenly father. So as, a, as the next gen guy for our district, some of you know that I, um, I'm just finishing up a season of eight years of uh, overseeing our district's camping program. About a thousand kids would go to uh, summer camps in our district um, over the summer. A large number of those students, I can tell you, um, after having gone you know, and watching and being a part of those for the last eight years, um, and a lot of you guys know this, just, just from you know, being, being perceptive, a large number of those students are not living in a house full-time with their biological father. That's not, that's not an accident. That's not an accident, it's a strategy. It's a strategy of the enemy to try to derail our relationship, I believe, ultimately with God. Because it's harder to be a man after God's own heart if the most important man in your life wasn't after your heart. And so we're living in a complex situation. And that complex situation, I would, I would go so far as today saying, I think a lot of us are still, in a lot of ways, striving for our Father's approval either striving for their dad to approve them or maybe to say it a different way, striving to, some of us, disprove dad. You know, their dad said, your dad said, you know, you're never going to measure up. 
You're, you're never going to be anything important. You're never going to do anything significant with your life. And we have a tendency to strive for that approval or fight against that word that was spoken over us. So you rarely, you know, you, you rarely go to a lunch with a guy uh, and, and say, hey, you know, how's it going? What's going on? You, the, the guy's not going to respond. He says, yeah, man, I'm just really striving to, to get my dad to say that he thinks I'm doing a good job. You know, you, don't, you just don't hear that because we tuck it. We tuck it way down under the layers of insulation, but it percolates down there and it motivates down there and not in the best way. And it drives a lot of us and we're thinking, I, I just want to get a promotion. I, I just want to move up you know, to district manager. I just want to get certain accreditation or you know, get to a certain bank account. And we don't understand that a lot of it is motivated by the same thing that we had when we were little kids saying, daddy, daddy, watch me. And then Jesus comes onto the scene. Amen? Praise God. Jesus walks into a broken world and into this place today and he comes to restore what has been broken. The way the scripture says it is he comes to give back what the locusts have eaten. So if you're in a worse case scenario today. Jesus is bringing the best case hope to you today. And if you're in the best case situation today, he's even bringing better hope than that. And Jesus does two things for us primarily. The, the, the number one thing that Jesus teaches us, he teaches us something about God. And what he teaches us about God primarily is that he is a father. You ever think about that? He doesn't primarily teach us that he's Lord, although he does talk to us about God being Lord, but he doesn't primarily tell us that you know, he's almighty, although he tells us that he's almighty. He doesn't tell us that he's a creator, although he tells us that he is the creator. He primarily tells us that God is a father hundreds of times in scripture. As Jesus refers to God, he refers to him as father. Far more than any other way that he refers to God. So what is he trying to do? He's, he's trying, I think, to help us see God as father. <laughs> so listen to this. When, when Jesus says, how do you pray? How did he start out that prayer? Our father. You, you look at all these key moments in the life of Jesus and, and Father. Father's going to be in the mix. Another place in the gospel where you see this is when he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, it's, it's not if you've seen me, you've seen the boss. <laughs> if you've seen me, you've seen the Almighty. If you've seen me, you've seen Yahweh. No, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Another place in the gospel, he said, for I and the Father are one. And you, you go through all these key moments of the life of Jesus all the way to his last moments on the cross and he's teaching us that God is Father. But here's the deal. When we have cracked fathers on earth and cracked relationships with fathers on earth, that's not the best news. But what Jesus wasn't teaching us was that God is like your father. What he's teaching us is something even greater. He's teaching us that God is a perfect father. 
And so what Jesus wants you to see today is that God is not just a, like a bigger version of your dad. He's the perfect version of your dad. He's the father that maybe you always wanted. He's, he's the perfection of your dad in every single way. So, but the, th the second thing that Jesus does for us today, not, not just as he's showing us and teaching us that God is a father, he's actually making a way for us to be born into a new family. All right? So, so when someone came to Jesus and said, what do I need to do to get into heaven? He didn't say go to a seminar, take a course, you know, perform in a certain way. He said, if you, if you want to get to heaven, you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You have to be uh, born again spiritually. You have to be, you're going you're gonna to have a brand new birth. And that's great news, as we found out in Ephesians, because it's really, it's bringing us from death to life. And so, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a second birth spiritually, is what he's saying. But, and what that implies if you missed out the first time on getting a relationship with the Father, is you get a second chance to get a relationship with the Father. You get to be born all over again. You get to be born twice. And when you're born twice, you get a new dad. You get a heavenly father, a heavenly dad. And you get a perfect father. So everyone who comes through Christ gets that perfect father. So this is, this is what the Gospel of John says. Chapter 1, verse 12 says this. To all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the result of faith in Christ isn't just that your name is written on the book. It's not just your ticket that gets punched and your sins forgiven. The result of your faith in Christ is that you got a birthright. And you come from good stock. <laughs> you, you got to become a child of God. And he clarifies this. A little bit in verse 13 he says children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will but born of God he amplifies this first John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 powerful verses he says how great is the love the father has lavished on us and then and then he answers how great is that he says, here's the result, that we should be called children of God. I love that clarification. I love that clarification. That's what we are, children of God. And so Jesus is stepping into the conversation about fatherhood, and he's saying, A, I, I want you to know that God is a, a father, a perfect father, and B, I want you to know that he can be your father through faith and through relationship, through salvation. So the net of that is that we get this hope that we can now be a good father or, or be the best father that we can be because we have the best father that we can have. And so to be the best father you can be, let's say in a different way, you have to know, and know is not just this intellectual thing, but experiential that you have the best father that you can have so right now every person in this room in Christ has this primary identity you are a loved son or daughter of a perfect father that's our primary identity 
Now, it's not what you do for a living, although that's what some of us make our primary identity, right? It's not what accomplishments are on your resume. It's not what kind of portfolio you have or even what your earthly family looks like. Your primary identity in Christ is that you are a loved son or daughter of a perfect father. Now, that doesn't instantly mean that all the hardship of an imperfect earthly father goes away, does it? It just means now that a, a new restoration has happened. You're a brand new person and in a brand new position, in a brand new relationship with all kinds of brand new possibility to grow up not fighting against what your dad said or striving to get you know, something from, from your dad that some of you may never get on this earth. But you're in a new position, in a new relationship with a new father to grow up and be everything that God wants you to be, to receive everything from a father that you need. And then to be able to actually be for things in life, not against things in life. And the ultimate turnaround is when you're able to give your dad what your dad was never able to give to you. Because not, you, 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 you got not only your family tree, but you got a new family tree. And so you're in a family tree of almighty God. And you got some blessings from that tree and you can take back to the other tree and bless people in that tree. <laughs> so if we live long enough in life, we discover one big idea. And um, that is that our parents are people. <laughs> Have you discovered that? Now, huge revelation if you're a teenager, right? If you're a teenager in the house today, you know, may I just say in the name of Jesus, we're praying for this insight to have acceleration in the revelation, understand that mom and dad are people. This is a big newsflash to all of us as we're moving into adulthood. We get it. And as we get it more and more, and as we understand more and more, I can see the strengths that my, my dad has that has been gifted to me. And so if you haven't met Dennis, he's sitting in the, he's sitting in the back back there. <laughs> my dad, if you haven't met him, do yourself a favor and get to know my dad. Um, he's one of the best dads around, I think. And um, I have a very good example in my life. Um, he loves people. Uh, it's not what Brent thought about me when he first met me. <laughs> but uh, dad loves people. And above that, he loves God. Him and mom used to get up. I mean, some of you know this. Uh, they used to get up like an hour before everything started just to pray. And a lot of times they'd be praying for me. You know, they would, I, I, you, could, you could read the scriptures that they had, they had put in, uh, that written down that they would pray over, you know, their three sons. And so I, I, I always saw him doing that. I saw him uh, always reading the Bible. And let me tell you, that there is rarely a time if you are out in your driveway or in your lawn or in your yard, my dad is walking by that my dad won't come over and start a conversation with you. <laughs> he has always known all of his neighbors, which is a very good thing, by the way. He's known the names of his neighbors. He, he just doesn't know their names, but he knows their stories. He knows, um, you know, stuff that you probably should know about your neighbors that maybe most of us don't. <laughs> or at least some of us. And so wherever we've gone, wherever he's lived, I know that he knows his neighbors and he genuinely cares about them. And so right now my family is living with dad. So if you can imagine seven people coming into your house <laughs> and two dogs, 
that's what's happening at, at dad's house right now. We've been there since we've been here. So hello, a little bit extra activity in the house, right? We actually, we're moving into our new place. Um, we're having a moving day next Saturday. We're moving all of our stuff into our place finally. So that's happening next weekend. But dad's taking it all in stride. And we've got, a, we've got a lease signed at the end of the month, but for now, he's got us. <laughs> and uh, one more week. And so one of, one of the things that, you know, I try to do um, every day is I try to get my steps in, get in the 10,000, you know. And so we, we, I, I always, I'll take Sugar, our little dog, for a walk. Scrappy can't keep up as much anymore, but um, every once in a while, we'll pull him along in the, in the wagon. But uh, Sugar gets the long walk um, every, most every day. And so we walked together a few nights, and, and he can share stories of, of people in the, in the homes all around that whole neighborhood out there in Somerset. Because part of it is because he was a water sprinkler guy and he installed their systems, but part of it is just because of his heart and who he is, and he loves people. And so Dad is already ahead of the curve when it comes to Fight Club because he already has a, a regular group that he goes to and he has breakfast with um, every week. I think it's on Tuesday mornings. Um, he goes to, to Harp and Bowl on Tuesday nights and, and he's here pretty much every time the doors are open on Sunday. And so I, I told you, I keep on just kind of revealing this. I, I, I am, if you're an introvert in the place this morning, um, I'm for you. You know, we're fighting for each other, right? At our homes that are by ourselves in the afternoon when we're by ourselves, right? <laughs> That's what, <laughs> but so I'm an introvert at heart. It's not natural for me. It's not natural for me to just go up and talk to anyone, really. Um, you know, but I've learned how to do it. It's part of who I've become, and, and I think God equips those that he calls, right? And so God will equip you to do what you're called to do. But I, so I've even learned to love it. I mean, I've learned to, to love, you know, loving people. And, and so, but if, but if I'm any good at, at it all, I would have to say it's because of the example that I've had, right? And I've seen that play out in my life. <coughs> So I, I had a father who loved me and approved me over and over and over and over again. And I see that play out in all of our lives in some way. So, but listen, if you have a deficit, it can be harder to overcome and reverse that going the other way. To be more specific, if you don't have a father to see and approve you, it can be harder to figure out how to be a father that sees and approves. And because we were shaped by what we got, and a lot of times we then dispense what we receive. But this is the power of the gospel. The gospel is not just about getting us into heaven, it's about transforming us here on earth. And so the gospel is not just about, I need a solution for the day that I die. The gospel is about the power to change my life while I yet live. And so I believe God wants to give us the gift today of sight to every man and woman in this room that we would know in Christ that I am a loved son and daughter of a perfect father, that's who I am. And it's a starting point for me to become someone who will fight for my family. And, and we see this worked out in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. This is one of my, I would put this in my top 10 um, Bible verses. This is our key text for the day. And it starts with a very, very, very high bar. The key is now to the end of this letter. There, there were four chapters talking about who we are in Christ, primary, primarily our new identity in Christ. We've, we've actually been in the, the book of Ephesians and I'm unintentionally, I didn't even know this, but I'm jumping back into the book of Ephesians here in chapter five now. So I guess we're kind of going back into the worthy for just a little bit. Um, this morning. If, if you haven't been here, we've been going through the book of Ephesians together, and, um, and so we're jumping back in a little bit this morning. So Paul sets the bar pretty high. The first phrase in this verse, he says, 
be imitators of God. Okay. In other words, he's not asking for us to, to be a little bit better than our neighbor. He, you know, not trying to, to get you to be a little bit nicer to your family than the guy that works in the cubicle, you know, a few down the hall. He's, he's not trying to get you to be a step ahead of whoever, you know, your senior person is. But here's the goal. Just be an imitator of God. Let's set the bar really high, right? That's a big goal. But then he tells us how to do it. The last part of that verse, he says, how? As dearly loved children. I know um, one of the things that, that I loved growing up was Hot Wheels and uh, Matchbox cars. I had hundreds. And I would spend, I would spend, you know, a whole day racing those cars, building cities, you know, with the blocks. And, you know, there would be a big race with like, you know, a whole row of cars and I'd find out which one's the fastest and they would get a little bit nicer house than the other guys, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I had this whole just world that I lived in with these, these Hot Wheel cars and, and uh, I built these sprawling cities and I just had a blast pretending and, and making up these grand adventures with these cars and these trucks and these cities I built. And, and though I didn't personally um, have many of my own, um, I very much remember, how many of you guys ever did model cars? Oh, yeah, I have some people. Did you do the, like, the, the glue kind or the snap-on kind? Because like the glue people are like the hardcore ones, right? <laughs> um, so I, I didn't do this as, as much personally, but I can remember my, my brother, my two brothers doing this. I guess it was kind of phasing out kind of when it got to, to, to my, my age, but when I was old enough to do it, but I can remember watching them and thinking it was so cool. And, um, you know, for anybody who's never seen what I'm holding in my hand, by the way, um, it's not electronic. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's, not, um, it's not something that you can play with against somebody that's in Tokyo. Um, there's no power button. It actually comes in a box that we, we cut down a tree to put, make this thing and, <laughs> and put this in here. And, and so it's... You know, the, 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 the fun of, of doing this and putting this together was, was the challenge of making what's on the box, on the cover of the box, right? And so we'd, we'd kind of put this thing apart. I'm going to open this thing up. I've got a, I've got a Back to the Future one this morning because I, because I don't know, it felt manly to me. <laughs> it's like um, Doc in, in the number three uh, movie when he was wearing the cowboy hat and he gets in the, in the car and it's, it's been a future car and now it's a, now it's a train and it's, it just, okay, it felt like something to me. But anyway, <laughs> so you've got all these parts, you know, that are on these frames and, uh, and, and, and here's the body of the car. And you, you take all these pieces off, and it's a, a little bit janky. Here's the windshield. And, and the, the thing is, um, you know, it's a bit of a challenge because when you pull these things off, there, there'd be little pieces of the frame that would kind of stick to them, <laughs> and it would be a little hard. And then, you, you know, you, if, you, if you're doing the whole, um, you know, glue piece, you would put the glue and you would ply the glue. And uh, if you're, you're really serious, you get to the place where you bring the paint, you've got the instructions, but you don't need those because you're a man and... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. 
or you're a young man on your way to becoming a man. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. This was the gold. They used to have like whole stores of these things, right? You'd go into a, a model store and dad could give you, okay, here's 10 bucks. And you'd like spend four hours picking out the right one, right? And you, you know, a lot of times, you know, I heard the thing to do was pick the one that was like the stock version because it came with decals and decals are like, Bitcoin, you know, <laughs> they were like, the, they were like the, the thing that you, you get to customize your car. And, and so you get home and you get your paint, but you're never going to make it look like this, right? Unless your dad was like a graphics designer or artist or something, you know, you'd pretty much, you put the paint on, it would glop all over and um, the pieces would kind of be janky because they, they fall apart off of the frame, but you get it so excited. And, and, and you'd get all these pieces out, you'd dig down and, and, and start putting this thing together. And you would spend you know, an hour sometimes, and sometimes it would be, it would be hard and it would be like two day project because you'd get frustrated, you'd put the box away for a while and you'd come back to it. But here's the thing that's inspiring you the whole time. It's the picture on the box, right? You just keep going back to the front of the box and you're saying, you know, that's what I'm making. That's, that's what I'm making. You put the paint on and it smudges a little bit and, and it doesn't look exactly right, but this is what I'm going for. This is, the, this is the picture that I'm going for. I might not make it in one day or two days or three days, but this is, this, I'm gonna get back to work and I'm, I'm gonna still try to figure it out. This is what we're making right here. This is what we're making right now and it would it would the, here's the thing i know when we're talking about fathers i know that for a lot of us the reality in the story is you know i've got a box and i've got a lot of parts and i've i've got a lot of ingredients and i hear that i'm supposed to be a great man and a great this and and a, a great dad and 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 i just don't know what the cover of the box looks like I never had a father in my life. Some of you would say that today. I've, I've never had a dad on the scene, Sean. He was too busy or too successful or too disinterested in our family or too dysfunctional to be around. Um, I don't know what the picture is supposed to look like. I don't know what it looks like to see a man treat a woman with respect because the way my dad treated my mom was not that way. And I don't know what it looks like to see a man after God's own heart. Maybe you're saying, you know, my dad was a great golfer, um, my dad could fix anything, but I don't think I ever saw him open the Bible. I, I don't think I ever saw him on his knees. I don't think, you know, he ever rallied us around the table and said, you know, here's what it means to fall in love with God. And I don't remember having somebody take my hand and say, you know, I want to teach you how to fight. And I want to, I want to teach you how to fight for the things that matter most. And some of you are like, I've, I've got all this stuff, Sean, and I understand that. And I've, I've heard all these messages like the one that you're giving today. And, and that's all great and good, but I don't know what this looks like in real life. Or even worse, you've got the box and it's got a monster on it. And I'm struggling here today trying to figure out how to become the father that I can be. So some of you, you know, you're not there yet. You're not even in a relationship with God yet, but you, you know, it's, it's still in the cards and it's on the horizon. It's in the plans. And what God is saying today, here's how it happens. Here's how you and I can ensure that every one of us in the building can make it to the goal of being imitators of God. Ephesians 5.1, the scripture, he said, here's how you do it. Let's put it up on the screen. 
again. Therefore, be imitators of God. Let's say that part together. As dearly loved children. <laughs> so, the way we become fathers is by learning how to become children. Moving out of isolation into a relationship with God and with some other people and out of isolation into a vulnerable heart that says, hey, if I'm really honest, even though I'm 41 years old or 62 years old or however old you are, I've got a couple million bucks put away and dad never had that, but maybe there's still a longing inside of me to hear his voice speak over my life. And the way that we break out of that cycle, it's a process, but it begins by getting into the posture of being a dearly loved son or daughter of God. That verse is so powerful to me because it says for us to be imitators. It doesn't, it doesn't say do imitators. It's, it's nothing that we do. Now, here's all the things that you have to do to be an imitator of God. No, he said start with this. You have to be something. You have to be an imitator of God. And the two things that you are today is that you're born again to an almighty God. The scripture says you have God's DNA now. In your spiritual being, it's inside of you. You come from good stock. And you've got a propensity and the capacity to grow up and even look like your heavenly father. The second thing you have going for you is this. You already have God speaking his approval over your life simply because you are his. I love that moment in Matthew chapter three, Jesus, Jesus came to be baptized and John said, oh no, you know, you're, you're baptizing me. And Jesus said, oh no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going through this and as an example for all the people who are gonna be, you know, believe in me and follow after me. And as Jesus was baptized, the text says, what does it say? The heaven opened up, a dove descended and a voice came out of heaven. The voice was the, the heavenly father. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, can you imagine that moment? He's, Jesus is 30 years old. He's at the beginning of his ministry. Um, all we know of Jesus at this point is that he was born in Bethlehem. He was, he was found in the temple at the right time. And during the festival and on the Sabbath, he was in church. We know that he grew up in favor and stature with God. And man, we know that he worked in his father's carpenter shop. You know, so he, he was doing that. We know that he was a, a man's man, you know, working with wood. So that's all we know. But yet, even though that's all we know about him, out of heaven, a voice said, this is my son whom I love and that I'm really, really, really pleased with him. And so the cynic in the crowd, maybe he's on Twitter, and he says, what's he done? What has your son done? Was he a good chiseler? You know, you really like the way that he worked in the carpentry shop. Um, why are you so pleased? He hasn't done anything yet. It, this is before his miracles. He hasn't walked on water. He hasn't fed the 5,000. He hasn't resisted temptation in the wilderness. Um, he hasn't healed the sick. He hasn't raised the dead. He hasn't died on the cross. What are you so pleased with? And I think, you know, the father might have just spoken back to that person on Twitter and out of heaven. I think his voice would have said, I'll tell you what, I'm so pleased because this one is mine. He's mine. 
this one's mine. <laughs> and oh, he walked on water. He, he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he fed 5,000 and cared for people who had been left behind. He did go to Calvary and he did take your sins and did give his life as a gift for you so that you could be forgiven and free. But God loved him and accepted him before he did any of that. And the power of Jesus' life as a son of almighty God living here on planet earth was that he moved through life from the Father's acceptance. Not for the Father's acceptance, from the Father's acceptance. And he's showing us today that yes, we can do great things. Yes, you know, we should go and accomplish and build great things, men. Yes, we should lead great things, ladies. We should leave a legacy in our lifetime. We should do what we are wired to do, but not so that we can get someone's approval, but because we already have the greatest approval that we'll ever get. Yes. That we will ever have I, I want to be an imitator of God, but I'm going to be an imitator of God to the degree that I see myself as a dearly loved child. That's not man talk. I get it. <laughs> that's not tough guy language. I understand that's not what men say, but let me tell you something. We're human beings. And underneath being human beings, we long for something. And that is to know that we're the sons and daughters of a father who takes delight in us. Who sees us, who wants, us, wants to be involved in our lives, who wants to show up in our story and wants to affirm us because we're his. Everybody in this building, a part of us wants that. And the beauty of what Jesus has done is that everybody in this building in Jesus has it. He said, be imitators of God, and here's how you do it, as dearly loved children. So that's where it starts. But then it works itself out real fast, and it says, and live a life of love, or walk in love. And, and some texts say, um, I, I, like a, I like it where it says walk in love. It's like you, you're, you're, you're walking around in a, in a puddle of love. And what happens when you spend time walking around in love and then you leave that, say you spend some time with Father God before you leave the house in the morning, then you go out and you track that love everywhere you go. It says walk, walk in love. And then you just work your way down through chapter five and oh my goodness, everybody, everybody in this room struggles with what's in this chapter. Every guy, every lady, everything we need in our, in our friendship and encouragement and accountability is in this chapter. Everything a fight club is all about is in, the, is in this chapter every, right here. Every real life struggle that a man faces in this chapter, every real life hope that a woman and a child want from a man it's in this chapter, and the hope of the church is in this chapter. It's all right here. So it's important that we get who we are so that we can walk out, walk in love, and then walk out and live who God wants us to be because the world's waiting for that. But it starts with us being dearly loved children. I mean, is there any man in the house today it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not too big of man. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not too hardened of heart, not too calloused and too prideful to say, 
That's what I want more than anything in this world is to just know that I'm a dearly loved son of a father. And I've spent too long trying to prove my dad wrong. And I've spent too long trying to get something that I've pretty much figured out by now maybe ain't coming. And I, I never saw it so clearly and I've already got what I need. And so he said, walk in love. And here's how that verse ends. Just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, a sacrifice and a fragrant aroma to God. So you're loved by that sacrificial love. So go walk in that love every step of your life and reflect what you're walking into those around you. I want to leave you with this picture from uh, Psalms 23. Many of you are familiar with it. The last part of that that uh, chapter, it says, goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life. So it's you realizing that wherever you go, men, wherever you go, God is beside you. He's covering you with a canopy of his love and approval. And oh, you might not be approving every decision that you make. He may get to help adjust, you know, in some of those decisions that you're walking in. But he's saying, this one right here, this one's mine. That boy over there, he's mine. This one's mine. With all the pride a perfect father can he have, he points at you and he looks at you and he says, this one is mine. That one over there, he's mine. I'm so proud of him. Let me tell you about my son. I love that boy and I'm proud of that boy. And I approve of that boy. Everywhere you go, there's a canopy of love. Everywhere you go, you cannot get away from God saying, this one's mine. That one's mine. He is mine. So, man, I've got this canopy of love and the acceptance of God over my life. In time, as you receive that, as you process that, as you're grateful that for that, and you walk in it, and you live in it, you walk in that love, and you learn how to enjoy it, that's what's going to be coming out of you. So the last thing, I believe this is the last note, uh, blanks on your notes, you're going to give a canopy like the canopy that you're under <laughs> to the people around you. I'm telling you, God fought for you. We're talking about contending for what matters most. God contended for you. So yes, we want to fight for our family and, and, and our brother and our heart and our walk with God. But before we do any of that, ladies and men, before we do any of that, we celebrate that our God fought for us and he contended for us. And he says, I'm coming for my son. I'm coming for my daughter. I'm coming to redeem my sons. I'm coming to save my daughters and bring them into a relationship with me. And that's why I think, you know, going back to that song, Reckless Love, that we sang at the end, it's a, it's a little bit complicated on the phrase reckless because reckless means with no regard or outcome, you know, which is not what God did when he sent his son. But we get in this mindset of saying, you know, I think, you know, what the writer meant, you know, what God did what was extraordinary. It wasn't reckless, though it was intended. It was, it was pointed. It was calculated. It was purposed. It was 
costly. And Jesus knew from the moment that he set foot on the planet exactly what road he was going to go down. But I think that bridge of that song is what wrecks me every time, especially looking across and seeing a, a sea of students at our summer camp programs, you know, where, where we see people who have a dad who has said, I'm not willing to even lift an eyebrow for you, much less fight for you. And to hear them sing those words, there's no shadow that you won't light up coming after me. There's no mountain that you won't climb up coming after this son of yours. There's no wall that you won't kick down coming after this son of mine. No lie that you won't tear down coming after this son, coming after this daughter. There's no shadow you won't light up, right? There's no mountain, Jesus, that you won't climb up, no wall that you won't kick down, and no lie that you won't tear down coming after me. And I can hardly help but tear up when I start thinking about that kind of a reckless love that a perfect father has for me. To sing those words, you, you've torn that lie down. You've torn that lie down. Let's just tear some lie downs, <laughs> lies down this morning. We just speak that you matter to your heavenly father. And so he's coming for you. They're coming for you. Holy Spirit, Father God, Son of Jesus, Son of God, they're coming for you. We're coming to rescue you out of the darkness and to lift you into a brand new life. Let's stand as we close today. Coming to lift you out of the muck and the mire and give you a brand new story and a brand new song. We're coming to rescue you out of a shattered family and to put you into a place of a heavenly family. And we're giving you a brand new name. You know what your brand new name is? Son or daughter of God. That's your primary identity. And we can walk in that and we can walk with surety and we can walk in love and walk out of love into a world that needs the perfect father's love. Amen? Amen. Father God, we're just so thankful for who you are. God, we just declare that you are a good, good father. You are perfect in all of your ways. God, and for us to look at that scripture, it says, be imitators of who you are. We can't attain that. We can't do that. We can't, we can't do anything that would even get us close. We could try to, to get to, to compare ourselves and try to move up the ladder, but there's no way that we could even reach it. But you said it's not about doing anyway. So let's just put that down this morning and let's just be dearly loved sons and daughters of God. Let that mantle, let that identity, let that be our primary identity this morning. And maybe you've never said yes to Jesus and you're hearing this story this morning. Um, it's, 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 it's a, this is more than a story. This is a reality. Someone that is coming after you and loves you with reckless abandon. I would say that, you know, my relationship with God, I don't want it to be, you know, just a decision that I, that I made praying on a Sunday. I want my life to be lived in a way that is reckless following after him. And I can only do that when I know that he has given me a new identity because of who he is. If that's you this morning, we just want to agree with you. If, if, if you've been feeling that tug in your heart this morning that, man, I... 
I want to step into a new identity of who God is calling me and shaping to me, me to be. Um, with nobody looking around, would, would you just raise your hand this morning? Is there anybody in this place? We just want to um, agree with you and say yes to Jesus this morning. Is there anybody? Amen. Let's all pray this together. Father God, Father God I'm stepping into a new identity this morning. I'm stepping into a new identity this morning. A son, son. or daughter, daughter of a perfect father. You are making me new. You are making me a new person. Giving me a new identity. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and for coming after me with a reckless love. Calculated, but reckless and abandoned. God, I give my surrender my life to you today. God, I surrender my life. Everything that I am. Everything that I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate this morning. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So God, all of us, that's, that's our hard cry. We just want to come into that identity. God, we know it sometimes in our head, but let it move into our hearts. God, that we, just, we don't just come to sing songs and, and hear a message and go out the doors, but we go out this morning having walked in your love and we take that love with us as we go. God, as we walk in love, God, help us to be the dearly loved sons and daughters and that canopy that you've put over us. Help us to show that can canopy of love to others as we go this morning. In your mighty name we pray, amen, amen. and amen.